Hi, I'm here at TLTA with Jamie Johnson. She's the VP Director of WFG Blocks. Welcome, Jamie. Thank you so much for having me here. Well, great. Well, tell me a little bit about what you do for so, WFG. I work with our WFG Blocks program. And WFG Blocks is the collection of services that we offer to our agents, all designed to help them grow their business, increase their sales, save money, and be more efficient. Everybody likes you because you help them not only save money, but also make money as well. I mean, that's kind of the best of both worlds. Our Blocks program helps WFG demonstrate our commitment to our agents. So just kind of just high level, let's walk through it uh, for people who don't know really what the box sure. program is. What it, what does it so comprise of? We have six categories of services from things like expense management, information security. We help with production and even compliance solutions. Our most popular category is our marketing and sales, where we help our agents learn how to grow their business. How many agents do you have uh, within your network? We have over 1,400 independent agents. We have a collection of services to help our agents, starting with our annual Spark event, which Cloudstar has been a sponsor of, so thank you very much. Our Spark event is all sales, marketing, technology, social media. It teaches our clients the basics of marketing your business. Cloudstar is one of our WFG preferred vendors. Thank you so much for inviting me, and I really appreciate our partnership with Cloudstar. Highly recommend you to our agents, and I really enjoy working with you. Well, fantastic. Thanks so much. Thank you. He fights for progress. He lives for the future. First hitting the scene over 25 years ago, he built out the IT programs of Fortune 500 companies. Today, he pioneers the protection of personal data and is a steward of truth and transparency. Without further ado, please welcome Gregory McDonald, host of Unfiltered. Welcome to the Gregory McDonald Unfiltered Podcast. I'm your host, Gregory McDonald, and I'm joined here today with our co-host, Roland DeBeau. Hello, everyone. Hey, I must, Roland. Uh, hey, Greg. Um, it's been a couple of weeks since I've been back, and I must tell you, uh, quite an improvement in the studio. It looks fantastic. Yeah. Well, we uh, we did a few things uh, while you were away. I think you were at uh, TLTA, right? And, uh, and also NS3? Absolutely. Yeah. So... We have a room here uh, at our office at the data center, and uh, it was it was filled with junk, actually. Uh, computer parts and server parts and uh, you know, cables and boxes and, you know, all, all that all that junk. And um, so we did a little bit more to the studio. We have um, something along the lines of 207 foam tiles, which are spray glued to the wall. So... <laughs> Uh, that's been fun. We got spray glue all over the hallway, uh, spray glue on the table. Um, all you know, you, you spray this stuff, and you don't think. I mean, you kind of do. I mean, you, you know, it aerosol goes everywhere, but you don't really have any idea how far it goes until you know everything in an entire room is sticky. 
But uh, yeah, we uh, we did that. Looks like it snowed outside on the carpet with the spray glue. But we have all the walls. Um, I don't know if you would call it soundproofed or, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm not a sound engineer. But uh, regardless, we got we got good sound dampening for acoustics, right? We do. It's yeah. uh, it, it looks really nice, and we also got some new microphones. These are pretty we fancy. We got uh, the Electro Voice EV20 mics and new booms and new audio equipment and you know kind of want to have the best of the best here if we if we can so uh, we we sound good so hopefully we sound a little bit better than we did last time i, I hope was. sounds good greg i think so at least well anywho just to, to recap in the travels i've uh, been out of the studio for a couple weeks and uh was in texas at uh, tlta and then out in phoenix for ns3 and uh, great, both great uh, shows. Um, I don't know if one was better than the other, but I'm a little partial to Texans. Uh, I think I'm a, we have quite a few customers there as well. But uh, very interesting. Um, uh, some of the keynotes. And uh, anyone that was there or attending either show, uh, I'm sure you got some good value out of it. But one keynote in particular, uh, very timely, in fact, was uh, Cynthia's Blair's TLTA keynote on all the strategic priorities and interesting. Well, what are the strategic priorities for this year? Well, there's several, but the one that I thought was probably most timely and probably gets the most airtime, at least in our corner of the world and, and with our clients and, and what we do was, was really around cy- on cybersecurity. Okay. I mean, another key, another key thing she threw out. And so I've always wondered what this was is, I don't know if there's any value to this, but but it certainly helps me and, and helps us as a company understand our clients, is that the average age of an employee in the title industry is, guess how old, Greg? 84. <laughs> no, about half that. It's about 46 and a half years old. Okay. Yep, yep. So with that in mind, um, you know, we, she talked about cybersecurity. And uh, surprisingly enough, you know, and this is this is – not embellishing, this is a direct, uh, actually part of the slideshow is, is really accept a breach, it will happen. It's, it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. And, uh, you know, some other key things, you know, conduct a risk assessment, you know, take reasonable preventative measurement measures and provide training and tips to staff on an ongoing basis. I mean, these are all things we've been saying all along. That is true. So, you know, it's, it's where do we go from here? And, and that's kind of been, you know, kind of the story all along is, is these, these, all the groups um, have been saying, okay, you need to do this, that, and the other. But no one said this is how you do it. It's been, okay, you get breached, call the FBI. And, you know, here's some links to the FBI's website. Nobody's going to read that. I mean, Do they actually seriously have to provide the links to the FBI's website? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's really, where do we go from here? You know, it's kind of been the consistent kind of thread that I've heard. I mean, after doing both these shows and being presenter, not really presenter, but a, an exhibitor at both these shows. I well, mean, you, also, you, you presented at the New York Mortgage Festival. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, this Was is... Was that what called the Mortgage Festival? <laughs> did, I, did I really just say <laughs> That's that? That's a mortgage expo. Okay. Yeah, but it, it's a common theme. I mean, I, I've had large companies that actually do awareness training say, hey, we do it, but we're horrible at it. Right. So what good is that? And then, 
you know, most title agents I've talked to says, yeah, we need this, but, but you know, we're willing to, to pay for this. I mean, is this something that I can afford to do? And then, of course, you know, all the old, uh, I guess the old guard in the industry say, you know, they say, well, just hang tight. You know, it takes this industry a long time to, to catch on to any new technology. And, you know, there's people worrying about blockchain now and e-closing, and that's yet to come. And, and you know, basically saying, listen, if it's not making us any money, we're not really interested in it, right? So, you know, risk avoidance and assessments and all these things, you know, I just don't know where we're going to go from here, Greg. So... I wasn't there. You, you, you heard it firsthand. Um, the statistic uh, with regards to the average individual working in the industry being around 46, I think, 47 years old. Yep. Was that incorporated into the presentation? Was, was there? That was part of the keynote. Absolutely. Okay. So, or, and again, I don't know. I wasn't there. Or, or would you make a statement, Roland, and say that because – the people working in some of these industries tend to be older. They're at a less, uh, they're at a, a disadvantage as opposed to younger people when it comes to being on alert for cybersecurity threats. Is, is that so? I'm just wondering why they said that. I well, mean, I think is it a random know, factor. I think was it's, there a point? Well, to obviously, that? it's hard. You know, training doesn't get easier the older you get in that demographic. I mean, they're not as they're probably not as savvy as some of the younger generations are as far as what to look for, what to do. And, you know, I've seen that in some of our own training, awareness training, where it tends to be that demographic that tends to click on a majority of the links. I mean, do they fall? They fall for it, Greg. I mean, they fall yeah. for it easier. It, it just is what it is. Okay. So you can't keep, you can't teach an old, was it old dog new tricks? Old dog. <laughs> I didn't want to say it, but, but essentially uh-huh. I don't care. that's I'll what it, it is. Yeah. Okay. So that that's what it that's what it comes down to. Okay, what um, were there any other takeaways? I guess from some of these keynotes that that we want to talk about. Well, I mean, another I think the other one worth noting, since we're on the topic, uh, would be probably FTC and KPMG's keynote. Okay, a really breakout session at NS3, and we all know who the FTC is, and we uh, most of us all know who KPMG is, Global Accounting Leader, huge, uh, Fortune 100 company. They had a lot of great content around fraud, cybersecurity, but, I mean, clearly they didn't anticipate who the market was, right? It was it was really aimed at a professional security person. Okay, here are the threats, here are the stats. Here's what big companies are doing to combat this. This doesn't benefit, you know, the small 10 to 20 agent, title company, or small underwriter, what have you, um, you know, very, very high level. And clearly, you know, missed it with uh, aligning with IT maturity of, of a majority of the uh, people attending. At least that was my thought. So your takeaway is you, you didn't care for KPMG or the FTC's um well, they're taking essentially all the bullets that we see every day on a Google search. They weren't giving any type of real-life stories. They weren't giving any type of, of case study on on anything. It was basically spitting out speeds and feeds. Oh. And uh, a couple other takeaways from NS3 is I had the opportunity to speak to some larger organizations, being I mean, it was a little bit larger show, about how they're dealing with security awareness since we're on the topic. And, you know, once again, it was the fact that, hey, we've been doing this internally for quite some time. But, I, you know, it's, it's 
they're not doing a good job. I get the same phishing email. It's very predictable. Uh, the IT teams that we talk to internally, it's not what they do. They don't like to do it. It's it's kind of a side job for them. So, and they're so not talk good about at that. It. So, so you're saying that large organizations do have, uh, we'll, we'll call it internal phishing testing or awareness training, but you're saying it's being orchestrated and put together by uh, the IT folks. IT folks, yeah, and and that's that's you know typical. We've talked about this in, in previous podcasts about the IT guy and kind of what their strategic role is, and you know they may be good at at, at keeping the doors closed and locked and windows shut, but when it comes to security and training and those types of things, it's not their forte. Well, I would think that you'd want someone with an educational background or maybe a background in psychology, someone that has the time to follow a lot of uh, you know, behavioral sciences, I, I guess is a way you could call it, in order to properly train and, and teach that. Well, I think it goes deeper than that. I mean, it's it's really just taking the time to, to look at the data and analyze what's going on i mean i've heard from multiple people that yeah we get the same phishing email month after month after month it's predictable uh training is not enforced um it's not something it's that alignment issue where you know the it department or the risk mitigation group is not in sync with hr which is not in sync with the executive stakeholders of the company and it's not getting the proper awareness that it needs to be and say okay this now becomes part of our company policy and you know that brings up another topic we start talking about security awareness i actually talked to another actually a pittsburgh-based title company very progressive when it comes to security that actually writ wrote sorry actually wrote into their security policy actually into their employee handbook that security awareness training is mandatory and can be you know, an employee can be terminated if they don't complete their security awareness training ongoing, which is huge. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. I mean, I think we're going to see more and more of that. I mean, you see that outside of this industry. Um, you certainly see that in our uh, policy. You know, we do internal, as you know, Greg, we do internal we uh, security awareness do. training. And, and it is, if you don't complete it, it is an offense that you could be terminated for. And I think until we get to the point where we're we're talking about mandated security policies within an organization and you will you know you won't get fired for clicking an email that contains a phishing simulation but you possibly could be fired for not completing the security awareness training and and i see that every day even with our existing mortgage fish clients that you know getting the people to the to the stream is not the problem getting them to drink the water which is the training tends to be the problem and that can only be solved technology can't fix it it can only be solved with the stakeholders of that organization saying this will happen, this will be done. It's like anything else. Well, it's the the problem is weak leadership. Yep. And you know, I don't know. Uh, my company is probably the size, if not larger, than than, than many many of these title companies are. Um, and I, I face as a business person many of the same challenges. Right. You know, acquiring staff retaining staff, motivating staff, getting jobs done, managing different departments. And, um, you know, maybe it's because I'm from, you know, the New York, New Jersey area. You know, quite frankly, I, I, don't, I don't give a damn if someone doesn't follow the policies 
and they're not going to stay current with what they need in order to do their job, and, and they're not going to take security awareness training, then they're fired. You know, I, 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 I get it. I, I deal with all of the same problems that other business owners do. And, you know, at this point, we've evolved into a relatively large organization. I don't know why it is that I don't have a problem firing someone, whereas, you know, we've, I guess, seen it quite a bit. Um, so-and-so refuses to get training or remediate a, a situation, and, and there's there's these um, exceptions that are made. I don't know. I, maybe I'm a hard ass and, and everyone else isn't. Well, I mean, I think in today's day and age, I mean, it's got to be treated like every other thing in a workplace. Um, well, I, I bet you they have sexual harassment Oh, training yeah. Well, absolutely. And, uh, and everything else. Absolutely. Right? Uh, hey, you don't, don't question that. You need that. That's very well, important. Well, I mean, I'd, I'd be I'm willing to compare what the litigation cost of a sexual harassment case versus a ransomware or wire fraud case. I mean, they've got to be probably similar in cost. I would think so, right? One would think. Can, can you pay the victim off in Bitcoin? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, you should research yeah, that for the yeah, next show. Yeah. I don't know. But uh, another news item here, um, it's pretty staggering. Well, it doesn't surprise me. I don't think it probably surprises Greg either that a recent, uh, a recent survey by uh, Alta's own data and analytics work group. Alta has a data and analytics work group? They do. They absolutely do. Oh. Yep. So they crunch numbers. And they found that 75% of title agents don't conduct security awareness training or phishing tests. Oh. Not surprising. I'm not surprised. Not surprising. And additionally, only 13% of the respondents conducted monthly testing and only 6% perform annual tests. Oh, well, there's your answer. This is why there's so much fraud and abuse (laughs) and and tears and malware and everything else, right? Yeah, and this wasn't a small survey. This was over 700 agents. Oh. So this is, this is fairly encompassing. Do you think that, that it also needs to be corrected for people that maybe fibbed a little bit? Oh, uh, probably. do more but training. But if, if, you you if you look at the numbers, so we go back and say if the average age of an employee in the title industry is 46 and a half. Okay. And 75% of them don't ever experience a phishing simulation or never see training formal training on phishing i mean can you can you blame anyone for the issue that we're seeing now in the industry for wire fraud i can blame a lot of people in the industry for wire fraud yeah i don't know whatever interesting what else what else is on our our list for today sir well, we do have a couple uh, interviews uh, that we did during uh, both events, so we can certainly tee those up uh, at any time uh, during the podcast. Should we, should we talk about the audio quality of the interviews ahead of time? Well, they are. They, you know, this was a mobile or mobile for, first run out with a mobile rig, and uh, it's a little daunting uh, to get people, you know. And and uh, I mean, I think we did record it about three hundred feet away from the podium, so. Uh, besides that, I think we did pretty good, but it's a, it's a little weak. Well, I, we're working on our studio here. The next thing we need to do is work on our uh, our on the road. I'll get you one of those big booms. Yeah, I need a yeah, guy can follow you around with a fuzzy boom. Yeah, yeah just shove cool. it shove it over someone's yeah. face, right? Yeah, absolutely. Now will be a good time to take a break, and when we come back, we'll uh, talk about some news. Wire fraud is running rampant. Cybercrime is on the rise. And phishing emails? We all know someone who's been a victim. Don't just sit there doing nothing. Fight back with Mortgage Fish. 
MortgageFish trains your team to spot, identify, and remediate dangerous emails, stopping fraud and data theft before it happens. When you partner with MortgageFish, your staff will receive legitimate phishing emails custom-tailored for your industry. We will identify who clicks and provide the necessary online security training, arming your staff with both the knowledge and experience to defend against the latest attacks. Do not become another statistic. Take action now to prevent cybercrime from crippling your organization. Contact us online at www.mortgagefish.com to learn about programs designed to protect title agents, law firms, lenders, and more. That's www.mortgagephish.com. Welcome back to Gregory McDonald Unfiltered. Here is your host, Gregory McDonald. Hey, Greg, uh, don't you have some news as well? Yeah, we're, we're working on some things here uh, for attorneys, specifically writing automation for the tracking of billable hours. So one of the questions that I receive uh, quite often is, uh, you know, what, what can an attorney do to further automate tracking of billable hours to integrate with, with existing platforms for the purpose of tracking billable hours? And um, our team has been hard at work, and we have two exciting announcements. We're in the process of beta testing an integration with Practice Panther and an integration with Clio. So two of your larger uh, law firm you know, case management platforms. And the way it's working is uh, there, there, there's some simple features that you would expect, right? So you're in the software and you want to call a client. You can click on the computer screen and it's gonna dial the phone for you, right? Uh, there's also features that when a client calls into the law firm, it will automatically recognize that client's number from the caller ID, open their file on the computer screen for the convenience of the attorney or paralegal, and attach an audio recording if that functionality is enabled into the customer's file, right? So, so those are some of the basic things that, that, that we can do. Uh, other functionality that, that I'm really excited to explore uh, will be uh, an app that we can use on Android and iOS. So if you're an attorney and you're out uh, in court, you're on site with, with a client, or you know maybe even you're playing golf, or wherever you are if you're away from the office, and you need to have a conversation with a client, uh, simply by calling or receiving a call um, through your phone will log the billable hours into the case management software and if again if enabled it'll record the call uh, which which can be really um you know time saving if you have a, a copy of the call you can go back and reference that that's great and it'll automatically uh, handle bill billable hours so those are two integrations that we're working on um for larger law firms we have integrations that we're working on as well where we can provide a relatively inexpensive, you know, fourteen, fifteen dollar USB um, headset uh, that that goes into the computer and that has a a phone panel um, that's web based. 
So uh, when you're when you're fielding a lot of calls, uh, you don't you don't need to replace your phones. You don't need to do anything. You can tie the headsets into the computers or into the mobile devices. And as you make and receive phone calls, details uh, pertaining to that call, um, especially billable hours, but other other metadata as well, um, is automatically uh, entered into the the client's file. So you know anything that we can do to help a law firm. Uh, make more money, increase profits through automation. That's that's the track that we're that we're headed down, and we're we're also looking at several different integrations. Uh, not only with um, two of the uh, legal platforms, Clio and Practice Panther, which are basically done; they're they're, they're being tested. Um, there's also additional integrations we're working on for SQL reporting. For, for bringing reports out of your major your major software packages like Resware, RamQuest, SoftPro, um, some of the other ones, and uh, we're also looking into online you know CRM systems and phone system integration. So again, you're working with a vendor, maybe a partner, a bank, a lender, a realtor, an end customer, and you receive a phone call. Um, it can be recorded. It can be stored in, in an online web panel. It can uh, track the communications, and it can it can dump all of that information either into a CRM or sync that CRM into the title insurance software. So there's a lot that's going on. You know, I know Roland. We we talk about cybersecurity an awful lot here because that's I, I guess it's a hot topic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot more uh, going on uh, behind the scenes uh, as we we start writing software integrations, trying to. Uh, tie-in communications and messaging, uh, text, email, uh, and and take that that communications technology and integrate it in with with law firms and title companies. So that's that's definitely something else that uh, is a big part of what we're doing. In addition to the uh, disaster recovery, which is um, probably something else we should talk about. Uh, you know, you hear about all of these uh, these Bitcoin um, ransomware attacks and. And um, all these municipalities and governments that are affected by cybersecurity issues, and ultimately they, they usually have to pay the ransomware, which which leads you know any logical thinking person to ask the question: Well, where are their backups? Why is it that these people, these large government organizations, cities, towns, courts, why why can't they recover? So maybe there's a there's a problem with backups. Maybe they don't have a recoverability in mind, and that's uh, another area that we're heavily focused on these days is uh, really no matter what software you run, whether you're a law firm or a mortgage company, settlement services, we have uh, instant recovery available for anyone that's a victim of a ransomware attack. I mean, we can have you back up and running, I think it's, was it 15 minutes? 15 minutes. Yeah, 15 minutes. I mean, we can have an organization of 500 people uh, with large databases up and running within 15 minutes of a ransomware attack, period. We can turn back the clock. Yeah. Yeah, you, you can you can turn back the clock to a specific point in time, um, and, and hit a button and, and restore it. It's really surprising that a lot of these uh, you know you would think very capable entities um, are just are just lacking in, in that area of recoverability. And there's I think even more in the news this week on that, right? Yeah, and and just to add a little bit to that, I mean these solutions that are available today uh, from CloudStar, you know, five years ago weren't available to to you know small medium sized businesses, but uh, the advent of the cloud and uh, modern uh, systems and, and architectures, we can provide the same solution for you know a Fortune 100 company as we can provide the same solution for a 20, 30 employee company. So, 
And we do. And we I, do. I, I, you know, there's there's definitely a, a small group of Fortune 500, Fortune 250 companies that we provide those services to now. Mm-hmm. Well, back on back back to ransomware. And I think our last conversation on this, we talked about Baltimore, City of Baltimore and Atlanta. But, boy, let me tell you, things have heated up here in Florida over the last two weeks. Um, Greg, I don't know if you've been paying attention to the news, but uh, it's been a crazy it's been a crazy June. And uh, thank God it's over. But uh, the latest uh, in the ransomware news in Florida alone is uh, Florida City fires IT employee after paying the ransom demand last week. And this has been a common thing. I mean, it's essentially here in Florida, and I think, you know, from, from one side of it, people learn their lessons from Atlanta and Baltimore. I think Atlanta started out with, uh, I can't remember exactly what the actual ransom demand was, but I think the end all, all end cost was $18 million. And uh, by refusing to pay the ransom, they incurred the cost with, with data recovery fees. And, and I think the same goes for Baltimore, because most of these ransoms, if you don't pay them, there's a timer, and then the fine doubles, and that keeps doubling and doubling and doubling, and and eventually uh, it gets to a to a certain extent where they just say the heck with it, and uh, we're not paying. But uh, small city here in in Florida, Lake City, which is I don't know, Greg, fifty miles from us. It's a small, small. I landed um, my plane there once. Yeah, it's 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 not a big place, but uh, I'm just going to highlight some of the story. Uh, and this was today. This is brand new. Officials from Lake City, Florida, fired an IT employee last week after the city was forced to approve a gigantic ransomware payment of nearly 500000 last Monday. Now, it's not that much, considering everyone else is in the tens of millions. Yes. I mean, but, I mean, that's a small, small entity. But, you know, I think all said and done in June maybe a million and a half in ransom across three different cities. But anyways, the employee whose name was not yet released was fired on Friday, according to local media experts and reports who cited the Lake City mayor. The city's IT manager is also planning to revamp the town's entire IT department to prevent similar incidents from happening in the future. You so know, the IT it, manager gets to keep his job. Yes. But but the schmuck, the, the, the probably, I, I, yeah. You know, uh, how how could the IT person actually unbelievable? Why I mean, is he getting fired? This for story, this? and I think every, I mean, anyone that has an interest in technology needs to Google this story. Is it's placing blame? It's placing it's totally placing blame on someone within this organization. So it goes on to talk about how the attack happened. It was your standard ransomware attack. Somebody got fished. They clicked on a link. Blah 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 blah. It happens every single day. But it, it's a long string. And this is the third city in Florida hit by ransomware in June. And, and I think the reason, I mean, it's pretty evident the reason why they're, they're victims is it's aging uh, infrastructure. Most cities don't invest what they need to invest in even keeping this aging infrastructure up. It's not a matter of how much money they're spending on security products. It's the age yeah, of the equipment. they just passed that taxes. Yes, it's the age of the equipment. It's the amount of resources. Well, do we buy a new police car or do we upgrade, you know, our file server? We'll buy another police car, right? So, I mean— You know, well, you know what we need? What's that? We need a war. We need a war. <laughs> yeah, there's the war on drugs, right? That's right. There's the war on—I mean, you got a war on everything. There needs to—once they declare a war— on um, cybersecurity issues, then maybe I'll say people will take it, you know, seriously, right? Yep. There's no yep. more. Yep. So at that at last week, Lake City 
was the second Florida city to pay a gigantic ransom demand to a ransomware gang. The first was Riviera City. Did I you, think did that's you call a, them a gang. Yes, what it says. Well, I'm just reading the the actual article. Oh. This is ZDNet. So you know these guys. I don't know who wrote this, but uh, the first was Riviera City. I believe that's in South Florida, which paid 65 bitcoins. What's that? It's about a half million dollars the week before Lake City. So it was the third city hit by ransomware. Since then, a third municipality was also hit, which is the villages of Key Biscayne, right? Officials reported the same same strand. It's a Ray Young ransomware infection last week, but they haven't decided yet if they want to pay the ransomware demand. So this is a, this is a big deal. And it goes back to why is this happening? It's aging infrastructure, inability to test. It's like anything else. It's a government job. These guys work for the city, right? They they go to work at 8 o'clock. They go home at 5 o'clock. End of story, right? There's there's no ownership in this stuff. See it every day. Let's put it out for bid, Greg. Yes. Let's put it out for bid. bid. Lowest Lowest bid wins. Yeah. Right. Right. Lowest bid wins. Mm -hmm. And what do most of these municipalities outsource? A majority do. It's cheaper, Right. Lowest bid wins. Lowest bid yeah, wins. You get what you pay for, right? You, you get what you pay for. I mean, it's a common theme. I think if you ask, and I actually did a did a posting on LinkedIn, got a ton of views and, and comments. Is is really if they had a an effective you know data recovery strategy, and focused on that, they wouldn't be having these problems. I mean, it's it's what it is. Yeah, well, they, they think they do, right? So the people that are important, you, know, you have the mayor and uh, however that works and the, the IT manager. The mayor only cares about getting reelected. Well, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, but, you know, you have those people, right? You know, the, the uh, esteemed panelists, the, the, the committee members, right? You know, the, those uh, the enlightened people. Um, you know, they either believe or they're told that everything's great. Um, and then when it all goes to hell, they fire the schmuck. They fire the hourly guy that just, uh, you know, tries to to get everything done. You know, and again, it's worth mentioning. It was a great post on uh, on LinkedIn about this with Philadelphia. Cause, you know, Philadelphia government, I don't know if they're online yet, but they've been messed up for quite a while. You know, how much that impacts everything. You know, you can't buy or sell a home. You can't, yeah. you can't record deeds. You can't conduct searches. Um to a point, you can you can send someone to the courthouse, and you, you, there's paper still is there, right? But there's there's a lot of things that you that you can't check, and uh, it really just throws a wrench in everything. Yeah, and you know this is so troubling. I mean, the 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 Lake City incident is that just last week on Tuesday that the actual leadership of Lake City actually approved the payment. Yeah, but yet they fire the guy that actually tendered the payment in Bitcoin. Just yeah. to make a point that hey, we're not doing, we're not putting up with this. It's we're not condoning over this. substance. Rolling, yeah, it's crazy. It's Symbolism crazy. over substance. Where have we seen that before? Isn't, isn't, isn't there a new coalition? There should be the uh, wire fraud coalition. Yeah, there is. Actually, I just saw that website today. There's a stopwirefraud.org. Stopwirefraud. Yeah, stop wire Are you fraud tired of wire fraud? Yeah. The yeah. Bitcoin payments keep you up at night. Yeah, you're not alone. Go to stopwirefraud.org. Is there That's a do- stopwirefraud.org. Is there a donation link in there? Do you donate? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what for. What for? It goes into a big Bitcoin fund. Yes, it should. Well, actually, it wouldn't be a bad idea. I mean, I think most people don't even know how to buy Bitcoin. No. Yeah, we, we, we've covered that in the yeah, past. Yeah, that's it. That's true. No. Well, what we got? What's on, what's on deck? What's the next story we got here? 
Well, I think um, we wrap it up. Yep, I think that's probably enough uh, enough to talk about for today. There'll be plenty more for the next episode. Uh, that works. That could. Uh, that's it's good. See, I, st- I get better microphones, but I'm still going to stutter like an idiot. <laughs> there are better mics, though, right? I don't know. These rate pretty good. I mean, I think if we were better better talkers, we'd probably have better results. But yeah, uh, well, you get what you pay for. That's exactly Podcast right. Podcast is free, right? That's right. The, uh, the thing is, you just you never know what I'm liable to say. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, r- you're a tame guy, Roland. You're not going to say anything bad. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, what else? Anything? That's it? We're I done? think that's it. I think yeah. that covers it for today. Very good. Well, thank you for, for downloading or tuning in. And we will have some interviews with industry professionals coming up in the next several episodes. Hopefully, we'll get to that sooner than later. We, we have our padded walls. We have our new mics. And, uh, you know, we're, we're getting there, you know, day by day, right? Yep. You do what you can to get through the day. Sounds right? good. Thanks, yeah. everyone. I guess. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Gregory McDonald Unfiltered is a production of M20 Media, LLC. It is produced by Wayne Thompson. Music is courtesy of Dezus. Voiceover talent provided by Jonathan Lumen. If you have a question or a suggestion for an upcoming topic, we invite you to write to us at podcast at m20media.com. Listen to Gregory McDonald Unfiltered on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.